Hello and welcome to episode 5 of How Not, the brand new podcast hosted by me, Luca Manning. And me, Kim McCarry. We're two gobby Scottish creatives that like to talk about the big stuff and we thought that you might like to listen. So here we are. And our podcast is here to remind you to always be good troublemakers, think big and ask How Not. Hi. Hiya. Here we are again. Yeah. Episode 5. Episode 5. We've, oh. ma- we've made it pretty uh, far. We have. And look, we've got our first bit of fan art. Yeah. Shall we Shall we give a massive shout out to the lovely Daniela who did this amazing, amazing backdrop sign for us for the Priscilla Palace. We love it very much. It's very beautiful. And oh. if we got, we'll, we'll post our socials on our, on our socials. Post our socials on our socials, shall we? <laughs> Socialception. You can follow her at... Uh, at Daniela 069772. Catchy. <laughs> um, uh, that's her art page and she is very talented. Yeah. And um, we've accessorised with a lovely little feather boa. Yeah. I must say that that, that was me. Um, there was different things there when I came in, but I took artistic licence and yeah, so got, the, got the boa out. Also shout out to, to Brodie Smith, who did that original stunning design. Um, I think her Insta's at Brodie Smith Creates. And she does create mm. very, very well. So Kim, today's a special day. Yeah. Because it's Bank Holiday Monday. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> we don't have Bank Holiday Mondays because we're creative freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a special day because this is the first day that we have a guest on the how not podcast yeah and you know how before this i was talking about oh yeah i've just found it i was saying to everyone in the room that i'd written this thing and it was gonna be really nice and like spontaneous and casual and i'm frantically searching my notes that are all mixed up mm-hmm. for a said thing that i've written but now i've found it so very exciting today because we have our first guest who is the wonderful Feeney beerman a beautifully creative soul. And to describe her as simply a singer-songwriter would seem to be an understatement. Feeney has cultivated and inspired a community of songwriters and storytellers, not just through her teaching as Professor of Songwriting at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, but also through her bringing together of an online community of songwriters and creatives throughout lockdown. Her latest release, La Loba, is a masterclass in how to throw yourself in at the deep end and embrace newfound creative skills. Not only was this album recorded at Feeney's home, but she also wrote and arranged all the music as well as creating incredible music videos using stop motion animation. Yes, you heard that right. Anyway, that's me just scratching the surface. Let's have a chat, shall we, to the wonderful Feeney Beerman. Hi, Hooray! How did I do? Really good. Thanks. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks. Um, Yeah, anyway, not how did I do. How are you? (laughs) I'm wonderful. I like this positivity. Yeah, it feels good today. Yeah, great. Just just general greatness. Not general, but today is. I okay. mean, it is general, but particularly Bank Holiday Mondays. Yeah. Something about it. How do we feel about Bank Holiday Mondays? Is it a thing in your... Well, yeah, it's making you feel like that. But I was talking to my flatmates about this this morning and they were both left for like insanely busy days in college and they were saying it's hilarious because they were trying to email staff that work at the college and they were like sorry we're off back holiday monday but they were in like hammering out like six hour rehearsals they're like oh i hate being a creative but hey back yeah. holidays i don't i don't really notice when they're happening no neither do i the shops were all shut that's when i noticed uh, okay. yeah and then it was kind of quiet in the city and that brought with it a calm yeah, yeah the, the city's like, actually a lot nicer quiet yeah. like that kind of financially bit isn't it um yeah. 
I don't really go to the bank. I don't have any money to put in the bank. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, banks scare me a lot. I haven't been to a bank in years. No, me checks that are like three years old that <laughs> yeah, never... Oh, something bad's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sam! Yeah? A it's... funny thing happened. Is it okay now? Um, no, no, it felt like we well, actually, were I can swallowed hear you. from... Okay. It's all it a felt bit like, quieter. It feels yeah. a l- nice and close now, <coughs> mm. and not so mu- not so echoey. Mm. Maybe a good I'm thing's happened. I'm not coming through. I think I did a good thing. Oh, you're not. Yeah, you have to no. look at it. Ah! Look it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh hello. Hello. Uh, oh, oh bloody gosh, hell! Just... That's enough for me. I we, we need to go down now. <laughs> just a hair. Oh. Gosh, it's all about the levels, isn't it? Part of me, no, I'm still, mm. I'm still a big presence. Luca's a big presence. But you know, maybe that's down, down, down. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Should we just, should we just continue? <coughs> yeah. Just yeah. Style it out. Okay. Um. So anyway, that, let's not sit and talk about banks <laughs> on our <laughs> podcast. I think if there was, you know, pretty high up there and things for us not to talk about, would be giving airtime to the banking system yeah. in London. So. I am really excited about today because I think just this triangle of beautiful people means that what we're about to talk about is very exciting. And one, because I have no idea. Um, And two, because I think we're all folk that have our own little journeys in terms of what it means to be creative. And we share a lot of um, wavelengths on how we express that. So, yeah, I just want to just want to have a nice little chat about all things creative. Okay. So, maybe we'll start with Feeney and just inspired by a chat we had recently, mm. um, I found it really, like when, at which point did you start to embrace this bigger sense of being creative in terms of you you you're a bit like we've all went to conservatoire and studied something right and mm. quite intensely and we're all musicians whatever that means but then at which point did you decide okay yes I am that but I am also there are other ways that I can express being creative and I want to embrace that um I think it was the it was the Bowie exhibition the VNA mm. exhibition and it just changed everything because I went into there knowing some of his music and, you know, knowing that he was a significant cultural icon, yeah. but I didn't really understand. And then seeing set design, you know, and these giant spiders and then he's a mime artist and then he's creating, designing his own costumes. And and then it came out and just thinking about what that means to me. You know, we go to conservatoire to do, this is what we were saying the other day, you go to conservatoire to specialise in one thing, to be as brilliant as you can. You know, technically fluid or fluent. Um, And that's great and, you know, that's really useful skill, but there's so much... It's It's so funny that we narrow everything down into basically the one you have to choose your medium and that's yeah. it. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think seeing that just made me think, made me re- reconnect with, like, I've always 
been into painting and drawing and and those kind of things and when I went off to music college it was like okay well I'm not going to do that and put that on a drawer right and I think it, it just resurfaced as well this is just another outlet for the same thing I'm doing with my voice right you know and it doesn't have to be for anyone but myself. yeah well that's the thing I think sometimes yeah. it can that mindset of being really 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 good at one thing can encourage a thinking that means you're suddenly inadequate in all other things that you might want to do so because you're not the best at it so it's like if you're you know that I'm going to be a great singer then you can't dare go and sit at the piano if there's a conservatory trained piano player in the room or something you know and it's like well why not like there's plenty like you know plenty of people like out there doing it you know and they're Mm. just getting by and 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 giving something as a whole experience as opposed to just i am a virtuoso this thing you know you're right yeah i was just gonna have a sneeze but it disappeared wow (laughs) that was lucky um yeah kim what do you think about that like so kind of i guess we're going with the vibe of coming from a conservatoire background Mm. versus going to a Bowie exhibition and seeing and having that all that creative being open up your your world a bit and being like wow so this this can be a thing yeah I guess yeah I made a decision uh a few years ago musician to be described as a musician felt a little bit uncomfortable Mm. felt like it didn't quite fit and so when I decided that I would I would ask to be referred to as an artist rather than a musician. That felt like that really opened up okay. a lot of... Uh, just even for myself, it felt like that was the right uniform, you know? Self-definition, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, someone had said to me, if you don't define your narrative, someone else will do it, yeah. and they'll do it really badly. And so that mm. felt like a part of that journey. I, When I was in second year, I did a um, really big... Uh, 13-hour performance art piece with Linda Sterling, um, who is also highly connected to the punk movement, as we just discussed Vivian last time. Um, so she designed some album covers and she was the muse of a lot of those people and now is um, does a lot of kind of collage art, uh, but had, had kind of conceived of this 13-hour performance art piece called The Dark Town Cakewalk. And I was at college with her son, Max. He's a double bass player. And so a few of us were the musicians in that performance. So the first time it was performed, it was in the Arches in Glasgow. Oh, the Arches. Um, and it went from 11am until midnight. And had the dancers were improvising, but they had storylines. Kind of everyone was improvising. continually was, improvising? Yeah. yeah. Bloody um, And there was like a, a room at the back. Did you get lunch? Yeah, it was a room at the back with like uh, cushions and pasta like, and beans. Can you can you play some more notes now? I'm away to have a sandwich. I'm starving. I'll come back in about twenty choruses. And I need to do a wee. Uh, and yeah, and it was yeah, it was it was like jumping in at the deep end of like mm. um, here's a whole new world. And I and I found that that world I was so much more comfortable in that sort of multidiscipline thing than the than just the kind of straightforward music stuff. Mm. And then um, had sort of pursued that since then. So either working with other disciplines, like working with dancers, um, and then um, that was when I started moving into composing using graphic scores rather than standard Mm. notation as a way to sort of create pieces 
of art that were all they had a function beyond their visual function. Right. So I've, I kind of like that little space in between visual art and music. It feels a lot more comfortable to me. But I think you're right, Feeney. The thing of it's like you're told you have to pick a lane, pick mm. a lane, and stay in that lane, and your your job is to get to the front of the queue, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, I wish you know people would continually tell children just do what you like. Like, mm. you can do any mixture of things and you can change your mind and you can do all these things and it's great. And if someone told you that, how liberated would you be? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think getting out of that, moving out of my lane felt really good to me. How about you, Luca? Well, I, I guess, like, I also, like, now describe myself as an artist, but I did have a battle with that because I was like, is that a bit wanky? Like, <laughs> no, bro. Like, just as someone that, would say that about someone else if they went, hi, I'm an artist, but no, I am that fucking person. Um, But yeah, for me, it's been very recent, I think, because I'm still in the conservatoire process. Um, But yeah, I think when I moved to London to study, I was like, well, actually, probably when I discovered jazz and was like, shit, I know nothing about this, so, but I'm intrigued by it. So I immersed myself in it and was like, I want to be really, really good at this one thing and just become like, just, become well versed in this language and whatever and whatever I thought that needed to be mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time just dedicating myself fully to whatever I had to do to achieve what I thought was would mean that I'd kind of done this thing yeah little do you know that you'd never get to that point and then because that and that was quite different to my upbringing musically and culturally and you know I don't come from a family of like trained musicians or even like gigging musicians um you know nobody really knew about conservatoire like the the etiquette of like practice and discipline and um like I didn't all my music training was relatively informal and even when people tried to teach me formally I'd kind of reject it and and just want to be a bit more all-encompassing with my creativity but then I was like okay no I want to go to conservatoire and do the thing and that was great because hey it gives you skills and I'm great that I've done it you know and and really happy that I've done it but now it's almost like I've went back to how I was before like not not went back but kind of come full circle and been like okay so I've acquired this knowledge but the knowledge is essentially meaningless unless I kind of throw it right you know Mm. and and liberate myself and I've found myself just find you know being really comfortable with being creative in loads of other ways and not worrying about the hang-ups of not being perfect or perfectly trained in everything that I do, but just Mm -hmm. being curious. And also, I think a lot of it came from being a singer and your instrument can just be so fucking unreliable. So I I just did a total battle with my vocal health over the past few months and it meant I had periods of, like, voice rest and couldn't even talk at one point and, you know, I'm fine now, but I had to learn a lot in that process of, like, how can I exercise my creative muscle and 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 make myself happy creatively yeah feel feel Mm. fulfilled every day um without being able to sing which is all I'd known you know for me my creativity equaled singing yeah but now I realize that there's so many other things I can do um that that will give me that nourishment just for me you know it's not about you know anyone else just Mm -hmm. to give me that little bit of of creative fulfillment so yeah, just very recent for me, but um, something I'm really interested in. Yeah, And I realised that loads of the artists that I look up to were that. They were so many things. They weren't one thing. Yeah, um, sure. 
like you were saying, like with the Bowie expression and stuff, you're just like inspired. It's like it's like being self sufficient mm. in rather than you know taking care of one thing and that and then you know having to enlist other people or or gather other people together and I'm, I love collaborating and working with other people but this idea of not just being in your lane mm-hmm. like doing that thing and then also creating these opportunities for yourself it's just like a sort of self-sufficiency which means that you can develop and evolve and you're not relying on you can work with whoever you want but you're going to kind of you have this self kind of for this forward momentum yeah um did you just go um you discovered that recently with this album right yeah. yeah. In terms of, I remember yeah. you saying yeah. you were like, you know, you'd always worked with like bigger ensembles, yeah. and that's still something that appeals to you and is yeah. an option. But maybe talk a bit about how, like that. Yeah. Well, that process. I think that was a frustration of, um, you know, when you're working with wonderful bands, like the more people you're working with, the harder it is to tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing people that I really looked up to who were able to work in smaller, um, kind of constellations and and tour on their own, and. I felt really ill-equipped to go and do that because I'd spent all this time in one lane, sort of, if nobody minds, I might play a bit of piano, if that's okay, sorry, do you mind, kind of thing. Yeah. Even though I've played piano longer than I've sung, you know, but, you know, you you excel at one thing and everything else feels like, well, there's a better piano player exactly. around the corner. Why so would you ever just play use piano. them, yeah. Yeah, and then I think it was kind of from that drive of wanting to kind of liberate myself from being tied to you know, funding or, like, big mm. budgets, mm. Um, that made me kind of go back to the drawing board and think, okay, well, so I'm, what, at the time I was maybe, like, t- turn 30, like, what can I what can I do, you know, looking at all these amazing musicians coming up through music college and everyone plays everything and... Yeah. I was, you know... <laughs> Everyone's Jacob Collier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Jacob Collier comes around and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fine. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's empowering actually even to see people like that you know like we don't you don't need to be a virtuoso and this is something that I realized this is what I was talking about last week that sort of was like a light bulb bulb kind of moment for me a few weeks ago was like you don't need to be you don't need to be a virtuoso to make to, to create and make something that's great quality and beautiful no and connects and I think that's the thing that conservatoire doesn't really deal with and it's maybe arguably they'd say it's not their job though I, th- I think it is their responsibility that you know to kind of ab- ab- put yourself into a corner with only one m- means of expression mm. you're cutting yourself off from so much yeah. that you would instinctively like as children like you're saying Kim like we'd just do whatever you go and play in the field or yeah, use you, crayon you yeah. so much potential that you don't know about you know mm-hmm. like you're not allowing yourself to yeah. to discover things about yourself because you know you could actually be an incredible blah 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 but you'd never know because you yeah. just go oh no that's not my thing yeah, yeah. there's better that's not people out there yeah. for that yeah and yeah it's really interesting and I just I I think yeah we've all got to throw ourselves in a bit sometimes I think that conservatories don't teach you how to think like an artist because really it's a mindset above mm. everything right. else mm. right because you can. It's just like a way of seeing and the way of thinking. And the other stuff, the technical stuff, you get to a point where you can figure that out yourself. Like, you yeah. know yeah. you're... Yeah, and surely that strong. should yeah. be informed by the mindset. Yeah, so of like, course. Yeah. I feel that like we all spend so much time practising and then we don't ask ourselves... 
what, what are, are we doing, doing with that no, stuff absolutely that we're acquiring so if yeah. that's not informing what you what you want to end up with definitely and it's not part of your artist mindset then probably use your time doing something else yeah you know and i remember we we had a um we did a master class with dave liebman um <laughs> which was like don't even which was oh there was there's so much it's just come flooding back to me. He, we were doing sketches of Spain with him, um, and he, obviously he's quite an abrasive mm-hmm. chap. And um, just for a slight tangent, I'll just move off a second because the best thing that happened, aside from this point, that no one else remembers, so I might be attributing it to him and it was someone else. But right. um, there was don't lots come for us, Dave Liebman's lawyers. Like no. We'll, we'll put it I'll say I'll right? say allegedly, yes, <laughs> real cool dude, right? So um, the room was completely full. He was at the front. He was asking people who plays behind the beat, who plays in front of the beat. Someone said Jay Dilla. He got very angry. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Who the fuck is Jay Dilla?" Oh, no. Everyone was. The whole room was tense. It was a nightmare. And then through the door at the back, someone, a lovely lovely guitarist who shall remain nameless came in and walked toward his partner who was in front of him and gave a little kiss on the head and I was like oh, that's lovely except it wasn't his partner because he'd misidentified <gasps> <No>. the head <laughs> how'd you do that and he'd just given a little kissy to it's just a student right? no no and I saw it happen. He kissed this lady. No, then I saw his partner no. over here be like, what's he, what's he doing? And then the lady turned around being like, hello, hello there. And it's like, oh, wow, as if this day can get this a bit. This is so <laughs> Yeah, so, but anyway, so that happened. But anyway, someone was playing for him and he asked the question, okay, um, who did you vote for in the last election? And what? someone was like, I, I, and, he, and he said, well, how... How do you expect to be an artist if you have nothing to say? If you don't know what you think about things, if you don't read and see art and think about politics and think about life. And that really stuck with me because, see, as a programmer uh, for a venue, I get lots and lots of requests from gigs and and so often they're from kind of recent graduates of conservatories. Yeah, yeah. um, they've become a really homogenous group of requests. It's very hard for me to distinguish one player from, from another, another yeah. because their voice, their their ability is great that's kind of null and void because everyone can play but there's as their kind of voice i can't determine it you know it's mm-hmm. very hard to kind of to 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 see someone kind of stand out and um and then i it becomes quite difficult they they feel they've worked really hard so why are they not getting titled, gigs yeah. because there's been a sort of myth that's been kind of given to them that if you work hard enough you will if you get well, good enough at your thing you practice hard yeah, enough, yeah then you will just get things the general yeah. yeah yeah if you just like, practice enough and then it's like oh no that's not really how it works yeah. and i so i, I often you know people that i know that studied um fine art you know i really i think that the way we should teach improvised music should be much closer to fine art where they half of it is assessed on your workbooks and your and your mm. working out your and your process, progress. Yeah. That's right. And then the other, and then, you know, because isn't it absurd that a big part of a jazz and improvised music degree is weighted to one single performance or so one single day, you know, where who knows what might be happening, but is yeah. that really indicative of, you know, the whole thing? Um, and, and that just that 
it just feels like the the fine art world has has an openness to be like here's all the resources now go and figure out what what the thing is that you like mm. to do um which i think would really benefit lots and lots of people you know that's such a good point i agree wholeheartedly actually i know we've already done our keith heron episode but reading the diaries and then he talks about like creating environments mm-hmm. and i just mm. love that it's like if i think of all the artists that i love like prince or boy or like grace jones or like keith herring or whoever you know and we we're talking about westwood runways create like being a show and it's like creating an immersive experience or creating an environment for someone it's not just go and look at a painting it's not just come and hear somebody sing a song it's not just go and see a bit of theater it's like you forget where you are in that yeah. moment and you're being transported into someone else's world they're inviting you into their world where it's their rules and their yeah. their reality and the, and the fantasy that comes with that that's yeah. you know arguably like art is the best form of both narrating the ra- reality and escapism right yeah absolutely <laughs> so it's like these two amazing qualities so like yeah that that is what excites me now it's like how do you create that how do you create that experience yeah and translate that you know it's definitely a conversation that we should be having the moment we step into the institutional conservatory mm. when we're 18 or however old you are yeah like that should be that should be the starting point um i think it's like this idea of a graduate coming out like your problem kim like no one we all we all we're all under this impression that if we do the work if we put in the hours yeah that's gonna there's going to be a definite guaranteed outcome and the fact is if you're a creative there is no definite mm-hmm. outcome there's no the article definite article there's no definite article there's no guaranteed outcome it's no. it, there's nothing that you can do but do the work that's um that Seth Godin quote mm-hmm. like to ship the work that's all you have to turn up and do it yep like whatever however you feel about it yep. you're not always going to feel like like it but that's all you can do because that's the only guarantee yeah, what was that quote that you shared the other day actually about process oh, <laughs> sometimes I share a lot of quotes um, there was a really oh, good one the other day about adversity um, process takes the oh shit we'll find it we're going to find it yeah we'll find it um, we'll taking the pressure off We'll post it. We'll post it. <laughs> All yeah. of those anyway, things. You know what? Thing. They're so great, but I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I right, wholeheartedly so. agree with everything. <laughs> it felt good at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's all come. But it was definitely coming from that mindset of there's one thing that you can do, and if you're working, if you're if you're looking to the future and you're saying by this point I'm going to have done these things, and you're working in creative field you know and sometimes quite unobtainable goals of mm. i'm gonna have like a million this and that and i'm mm. gonna have won this and that you're you're losing already because absolutely if that's what you're working towards you're you're playing to the gallery for a start right. yeah. that's what bowie says every, yeah yeah don't play to the gallery yep um it yeah. also ties into i mean that amazing thing so jamie dole the magic lantern mm. posted that lovely video of yes them just being like so I woke up at half five this morning and I'm just starting to walk and I'm just like reminding myself why I do this Mm. and I'm just talking thinking out loud and it was so refreshing because it is something that I think is really healthy to check in on like all the time like why am I doing this Mm -hmm. why am I doing this because right now we live in the age of like where we're increasingly seeing 
artists described as entrepreneurs and art described as content yeah. and there's mm. such a pressure of product over process mm. and essentially capitalism has fucked our industry so like I just feel like reminding yourself why you're doing it and sitting yeah. comfortably where you sit yeah. in the world in your creative world and just not being like pushed and pulled as yeah. much as possible um, and I'm saying that as someone that struggles daily with this you know it's like should I be doing that should I be, uh, they said that might be good oh, I went to this um, CBD workshop and they said that and then oh mm. there was this workshop on this and, uh, and yeah. it's like well actually why are you doing what you're doing and just let everything you do inform yeah. you, you know inform that you know it's um, like that it's like the thing how you spend your days is how you spend your life you like the practicing that you're doing if it's for the gig, that's very dangerous. That's like an external thing that you can't actually control. Yeah, mm. um, in that moment. But meanwhile, the practice that you do, that's your life. That is how you're mm. living your life, which may be very short or very long. Who knows? But like, make the decision to like treasure it and enjoy what you're doing, right? The process of what you're doing. Yeah. Instead of trying to win, trying to win at it. Because yeah. it's, yeah. it's going to be, yeah, yeah, that done. Gonna, yeah. What am I going to do next now? Yeah, because what happens when you don't win exactly. at it? And what is winning... That's right. And you put your self-worth on those external factors Mm. and when they don't happen, there's nothing, there's no resilience there to hold yourself together. Right. You know? Um, I am... A really useful thing for me, although I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, um, (laughs) a really useful thing was Uh uh, when I... um, when I was first diagnosed with PTSD, like I went deeply bananas, like fully demented. Right. Um, and didn't play for like, I don't know, maybe 18 months. Just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Um, it That was taken away from me and it was a really interesting experience because it was like you were saying like, what what am I if I'm not singing? What yeah. does that mean? Mm. So it's like, well, what am I if I'm not playing trumpet? But also what, if I, what am I if I'm not busy doing lots of stuff? What yes. am I if I'm not out, you know, earning money? What am I if everything's taken away? Then what's left? And it was a really useful kind of factory reset. And like it took a long time to kind of gradually put things back in, like start pulling things mm. in. But it really changed my relationship for the better with music because it, it made me realise that well, the creative energy isn't informed by the instrument. It's already in there. I'm just using it to, to let it out. The instrument is a medium yeah. for the and so yeah. if you take that away, that's fine. We'll just divert it somewhere else. Mm. And as long as it can come out somewhere, yeah. then I feel like, you know, that that's a day well spent, you know, and whether that's just like writing something in a journal or drawing or, or just like taking a walk and looking at the world, you know, there's like so many ways that you can feel that expression or just having a conversation with someone. To, you don't have to undermine all those things because they're not the thing that yeah. you're qualified to and what, do. D- didn't you say recently, I might be wrong, but like, uh, for example, if you, you woke up tomorrow and you couldn't play the trumpet again, like, obviously, hashtag bit sad, but like, are you, would you say you're comfortable enough with your own creativity now that you are confident you would still remain a creative person? Definitely. And find ways to... Yeah, because I know what I want to say. And then there's just the choices, like, how do you say it? Yeah. But I think sometimes it, it, it goes the opposite way. So you're taught to sort of be a tradesperson. Mm-hmm. You're taught how to say things. And then you come out not knowing what you're supposed to say. And that that's quite a sort of scary time when you've yeah, clung yeah, to the, the you know, the, the, the technical proficiency bit, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that's the good the, the good thing about studying at conservatoire, even though it like, it's tricky, uh, is the resource and that you're surrounded by people that are really excited about the thing that yeah, you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but if we further expanded that resource, right, so that it wasn't in the in the conservatoire, it wasn't just a library of music, but that there was big collections of you know like prints of visual art, or that you were encouraged to connect with other art forms mm-hmm. as part of your like overall nourishment yeah you know um and that you were told from day one there's like infinite outcomes to this time mm. you're going to spend and it's not just that you know you'll become a full-time performer of the instrument that yeah. you play because that's setting up 99 percent of people to feel like they've failed in yeah. their yeah. life yeah. decisions yeah which it feels really cruel narcissistic yeah, yeah. Well, it also feels like you're, it's, it's, it's misguided. You're um, leading these young people to, yeah. fail. you're not, to failure, you have yeah. a responsibility as an institution to yeah. set them up and, and, and give them the best chance. And it so often can feel like none of that work's being done and it's not our responsibility. And so, you know, however many hundreds of, of fourth, third and fourth years come out every year and they're like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I believe in because I spent three years trying to play, in a you know, box room whatever, blah, 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 blah piece. Yeah. 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 Because that's what I need, apparently, which, you know, arguably you do to a point. But yeah. that's not the whole picture. That is one. That's one strand. Right. Because you were saying before about your sister, her university experience, she connected with lots of things beyond what she was studying. Absolutely. And those yeah. were arguably some of the things that really helped her find herself. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's what we lose out on conservatory versus university is... There isn't that breadth well, of also, experience. Well, also, I think we have that f- initial passion for something that is in our everyday. You yeah. Know? Like, we don't have a day off from what we do. We we are what we do. And and it's we're very lucky to have such a, a wild love and passion for something from the get-go. And that's something I've always been aware of. It's like, it's fucking hard, but it's we're so lucky to know what we love mm. and... and and but that also means that we don't ever i guess switch off from it but yeah it's a funny thing it's like but as you say there there could be so much else out there you know in terms of other art forms and connecting with them and like i love this idea of like throwing yourself in at the deep end and mm. what was that thing about going in the water that's that another cool. bowie quote as well <laughs> yeah he says go just far enough out this is in the um, Don't Place the Gallery quote. He also says, go just far enough out that your feet don't quite touch the bottom. Mm. Yeah. And that's where the magic happens. Yeah. You know, where you're not quite that safe. And that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about the other day with on, in that masterclass. I was like, how often are we putting ourselves in that situation? Or how often do we reflect and go, yeah, everything's feeling really good, but everything's feeling really good. And actually, yeah. that, was that, that was that moment when I started not just singing, but playing, you know, guitar on gigs, which was terrifying and awful and the ho- most horrible thing and yeah. every gig I was like it must be cancelled please cancel the gig <laughs> but, and I've never been so scared in my life but one of the things that I realized was I, I was so out of touch with that feeling of of um uh vulnerability yeah, and yeah. Vulnerability. actually yeah and, and even though it was terrifying and even though it was pretty shit it also felt amazing because I was just reconnecting with this feeling that through studying doing one thing and trying to be quite good at it I'd kind of lost, I just created an environment around myself where I was making music that I really enjoyed, you know, I loved, but I wasn't 
as far into the water as I could be. Yeah, sure. You know, and that feels way, way more exciting. And also Definitely. in your process as well, right? Like writing, because you were like mm. writing on mandolin and stuff and like, not, yeah. you know, <laughs> but like, I, I, I remember finding that so inspiring, like during your classes and stuff and then going back to my ukulele and stuff, which I hadn't played for years and using that to write. And like, f- I think that's so refreshing like putting yourself in vulnerable situations mm. that that you're that you do have autonomy over right because the whole point mm. is that you have agency over this mm. kind of vulnerability to the, the level to the extent yeah. or the kind of situations you put yourself in so it's not like horrible unsafe yeah, you're situations. not like you know you're there like there aren't sharks exactly yeah you're in nice water <laughs> yeah yeah that's nice and like warm and not because someone's peed in it like i realized that was going somewhere but like i'm, I'm feeling like <laughs> tropical yeah. like maybe like a hot spring i don't know and and um you're in an environment where you can just be free but you're also quite vulnerable because you don't really know what it's going to be like like you've not experienced it before and because every moment's going to be different anyway yeah it's like every single time hopefully it's going to be something new and and something exciting and that vulnerability is is going to be what fuels that moment and what comes out of it which is really exciting and we're very lucky because we're not heart surgeons so we can take risks <laughs> and nothing no, really no bad will die. ever happen. Nothing's no, gonna... <laughs> no one like the worst thing that will possibly happen is something won't quite land, and like how brilliant is that? That's our biggest occupational yeah. risk yeah. that something yeah. will feel a bit flat, or you might feel a little bit embarrassed. If that's the worst that can possibly mm. happen, we should be like reaching for those risks yeah. all the time, yeah. right? Because jumping for joy. But I think you're right about that safety, and I think that's like. When you do study one thing to a really big, it becomes like a suit of armor that you wear, mm. and you you sort of protect yourself with your sort of knowledge or something. You feel safe within it because you always need to be amazing all the time. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, like you, you need yeah. to be at the top of your game all the time, which actually is a dampener for your own creativity because then you just lean on the things that yeah. you know work. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know this, was, so like, this is going to sound good. I've yeah. got my money notes. I've got my legs. I've got my like whatever yeah. like. And you just, it's, it does become a trade, a product. Yeah, totally. you just trot out time after time. And, and you realise you're not really present and you right. realise that are you making a decision based on what's actually happening or if you are you making a decision based on some sort of inner thing, like you're not really listening because you've already decided this is what you're going to exactly. do and this is when yeah, you're going to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, I a few years ago I started doing like solo gigs, like just trumpet and spoken word. And it it was the first time where I would, I had been on stage properly, just my, just wow. me, mm. um, and the first gig I did was at. Um, I was going to say the Roundhouse there. That would be mental. <laughs> <laughs> a small intimate affair. Yeah. <laughs> was it Carnegie Hall? Uh, no, um, was jazz in the round. Oh yeah. And so it was properly in the round, and so like, I was there. I was in the centre by myself, and the audience were on all four sides, and. So easily could that have felt really awful, but it was it was actually like the vulnerability was really comforting. Like it felt mm. really kind and soft, and the audience responded mm. to that vulnerability yes. and responded accordingly. So it felt like this really kind of supportive, warm atmosphere because it was it was really open. Everyone was just really open. It was like I'd never had that experience properly before, um, and I think a lot of people who, depending on what instrument you play, you might never have that feeling mm. of just being on your own or for people who play instruments to remove that and then what are you when you don't have something in front of you or you're mm. not sitting at something so it's like the 
inverse of what you were saying, Feeney, where you like you take this stuff away and then where are you at the end? Um, and it's like really liberating because you realise that vulnerability isn't something to be scared of. It's something that is like so fruitful if you just let yourself sit for a minute in it, you know? Yeah, I think um, it's cool what you were saying about the audience as well because like, I think like who do I, what, what kind of situation do I love to go and see? And like I am, as an audience member, vulnerability is one of my most favourite, most intriguing yeah. things that I, I want to mm. see. Like, I, I love those on-the-edge situations, but also sitting comfortably in that when yeah. it becomes not mm. on the edge, but just where the whole thing is going to happen. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, why am I not doing that? Why am I trying to be perfect all the time if what I'm drawn to is so imperfect, mm. so beautifully imperfect? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You know, and absolutely. I really found that. It was a battle with myself where I was going... Why am I trying to perfect everything, which is going to be unachievable anyway, when w- the people I love to listen to, the people, I, the stuff I love to go and see is so, like, just representative of real life and yeah. crazy. And, yeah, yeah. So that was interesting, yeah. It's the unifying, it's the sort of unifying uh, emotion. Is that the right word? Unifying emotion. I knew what I was going to say and different words came out. Like, it's the one thing that brings us all together. You yeah. Know, in that it's it's empathy and it's a, a kind of collective, a shared a shared moment yeah. where you're having a conversation with someone and they're, like, riffing and you you want them to do well. I, I think most people go yeah, to a yeah. concert and they want, they want it to be Absolutely. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And when you see someone trying to do something, like, you, the only time you feel anxious for them is when... You know, there's other things at the play. Like they're, they're not comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, to to watch someone like take flight, even if it's just like, uh, and then yeah, like yeah, land yeah. again, it's, it's like oh, it's, it's, that little it's like bit. watching the bird, the little gosling sort of blip, blip, blip. trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but that's such a beautiful moment. Gorgeous. Sharing that is. Um, I wish I'd realised this ten years ago. Oh but, no, you know. <laughs> me too. This we've just got to do as much as we can for the rest. Yeah. That the, actually, I was remembering that first solo gig. I, I remember at the start, I said, um, like, I really like the the spaces and the silence. So I said, so just so that you don't feel a little bit uncomfortable. I love that. I'm gonna give you a little nod when I'm finished. Mm. So I'm not gonna, like, don't feel like, oh my god, is she finished or not? Should I clap now? It's all right. I'll, I'll, I, you'll I know. This. Kim, that is fucking amazing because honestly, when you started talking about this one more thing, I was like, that's amazing. But then I also thought, I wonder how that would be as an audience member, like if there was moments of silence and stuff. Yeah. And, mm. But again, th- you're taking agency over that yeah. by saying up front, like, this is how it's going to work. I'm totally comfortable. Yeah, and now this. you can be comfortable. And now you well. can be comfortable. And then it's like everyone can just breathe yeah. out and it right. can begin. And I can, can like, enjoy it. Hold, hold your hand for a little second. And then at one point, maybe not in that gig, but another gig, someone did do a little like. And I looked up and I gave him a little smile. And, and there was a little <laughs> laugh. And it was like, that's okay. Yeah, like, it's fine yeah, to do that. Um, yeah. I, and part of the reason I do that is because I was once at a gig, watching a gig. Um, and there was a promoter. Sadly, he died a few years ago. Do you ever play Wakefield Jazz? Yeah. Yeah, so so Chris who who ran Wakefield. Mm. Um he was a really enthusiastic clapper. Like he was the first <laughs> person clapping at the end of a solo. Like he was writing at the end of your right. chorus. Like yeah. maybe the last three bars even like oh, to tell you yeah. oh, that's enough. <laughs> and and uh, he would always say um your name. He'd go like, Yes, Luca. Like so partly it was genuine kind of delight, but I think it was also to show 
people that he knew. The etiquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was this really, uh, this really, like, vulnerable and, like, uh, isolated guitar solo. It was a large ensemble, but everyone had stopped and it was just the guitar solo. And it finished, it sort of died away even. There was no need for any clapping. And I think most of the room was like, okay, here we don't clap here. But then he was like, he started clapping and it was like, oh, oh goodness. And then he went, um, he went, yes, Chris. Except the guitarist's name was was Nick, right? Oh god! So it was silent, and he went, "Yes, Chris." And then he went, "I mean Nick." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like applauding oh, himself. How delightful! <laughs> like I brilliant. And there's like that feeling, that universal feeling of embarrassment. Mm. Is like I love it, but I'm just gonna make sure that I I just take the sting out of that tail a little bit. If you mm. want to do it to me, I'm gonna let you know that it's funny anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel it. Um, That's brilliant. <laughs> But it does, it is true. It's like, you know, especially in the jazz thing, like there's all those, like, you know, I love how interactive it is in terms of people whooping and shouting. I'm like, please give me that, get yeah. involved. But the kind of more mundane version of that where everyone just kind of claps at appropriate times yeah. and then probably talks the rest of the time. It's just, you know, they kind of come oh, up a breath to clap. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, why? Like, I... I think it's brilliant to encourage performers and I'm I'm the first it's like whooping and stuff but that's because I'm genuine I'm not thinking about doing it I'm, it's yeah. a body re- it's a mm. knee jerk reaction to something I'm enjoying so we've become a bit too rigid in our process and the etiquette of it all and, and I think to, like a moment you've described where everyone would sit in that comfortable silence because that's what the that's the bit of the music you know mm-hmm. the silence is still the music just resting or whatever um, yeah, maybe we should get more comfortable with that because that's also vulnerability for the audience, isn't it? Cause Definitely. Like, oh, what do I do here? Like, oh. But if everyone just felt comfortable to kind of see where it went, then. And the inverse yeah. is I went to see uh, Jen Xu do a gig at The Stone yeah. in New York, and she was like, uh, it was like some rainy Monday night, and she said, like, before we do the gig, because um, it was her and Linda O and uh, Val Gente, and she said, before we do the gig, Everyone's just like coming from their work and you know and, and getting your soggy coat off and whatever. Just a little moment to like lift off your life so that you're ready to. And so she asked the audience to all, um, like at the top of their voice, just shout shit. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> just to acknowledge like there was loads of shit things going on in the world, and everyone. Some people were a bit like, Ooh. but most people were like, great. And there was this like collective shout. And it really then felt like, oh, now we can do it. That's amazing. It's like that is a great idea. We've def we've utilised that in family band a few times. A right old shout. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and also it's it comes back to that thing of it's a unified shared experience, and mm. we're in this together, and we are, you know, we are a, an audience. But you know, the guy next to me or whoever, we're we're experiencing this together. Exactly. Rather than going in and, you know, taking up as little space as you can and just eyes forward. Yeah. yeah. You know. And it breaks that wall as well, you know, the fourth wall, which which is useful in terms of, like, getting guards down. And then anything can happen, and I'm sure in that instance she has more of your attention. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Absolutely. You're more... Because you're so on board. Exactly. And you've... Yeah, you've... You've um, you kind of subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, you've, you're invested. John Sermon said once that, like, when he, started, when he starts a gig, he makes a joke, and he said that joke's not for the audience, that's for me. Like, when you hear the laughter, when something's given back, it mm, relaxes. Right. And then you can, like... So it's not a sort of us and them thing. I think it is really important to kind of reach across that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just... 
yeah reach you know. out a hand and just say i'm, I'm yeah. here you know yeah exactly we're in it. Mm. yeah how do you do that for yourself because we're talking about performance context but like I'm, I'm thinking more about creating at home and and sometimes you know it's like the whatever you're creating like whether it's writing or playing or dancing or visually something you know sometimes you wake up the outfits there or sometimes you wake up the pens at the paper the notes are there it's just like oh my god you cannot stop me i'm like a snow a boulder running down this hill and i'm smashing it and then if you're like okay i really like and if you maybe need to create something or you just want you need to exercise that muscle you need to mm. get back in and, and it's like how do you you know there's guards up somehow and it's like how do you actually get out of that because everyone talks about writer's block and it's like well, okay mm. great fine like writer's block but like just on a more micro level I'm not talking about like oh my god there's something wrong with me it's just like god I just I want to be able to just get back in the water a bit it's like I went swimming for the first time the other day like since lockdown mm-hmm. I nearly fucking drowned the, the lifeguard was like I side eye me like do I need to jump in I was like no no you're fine because I totally forgot like I'd just been so long and like mm-hmm. I was struggling away and I feel like I can have that with bouts of creativity you mm-hmm. know? it's like mm-hmm. I'm just struggling now I'm like and then part of me wants to go great just sit with it and like you know Sarah Coleman actually amazing creative person um, said to me like because I was struggling with my vocal rest and stuff and I was like some days I wake up and I just can't fucking sing and some days it's alright she was like well have input and output days like yep. mm. you know if, if you wake up and you're like this feels great do lots of stuff because it'll feel great or do however much stuff you want to do mm. but if you wake up and you're like this feels shit try and absorb as much as you can so try like maybe you read something maybe you watch something maybe you think about stuff and, and I think that's again with the conservatory I think it's like I need to be physically doing the thing that I'm practicing all the time mm. but we don't spend a lot of time thinking about doing it you yeah. know which seems stupid and a bit eighty fairy but actually yeah. it's really worked for me recently it's like I spend a hell of a lot of time just thinking about doing the thing yeah and like maybe that's procrastination but like just what, what do I want it to be like what, what am I actually trying to create and you know what do I want it to sound like and you know just picking up little bits everywhere I can and hoping that it'll achieve some greater good somewhere at some point. Um, yeah. Sarah Coleman, that's a genius thing. Yeah, I totally subscribe to that. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, it's like nourishment. Uh, definitely, mm. if I don't feel like being creative, it, uh, I will go and look at something or read something yeah. or watch something. And just, you, I think we all know ourselves that you can't just push it out. Yeah. And you can't like yank it out. It's like, you know the thing where you put a coin in and it swirls around and round, and then it drops in a hole in the middle. Do you know that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know what yeah. it's called. They should have a name. Swirly whirly coin. Swirly whirly coin. <laughs> exactly. That's what they are oh, called. Oh, that's catchy little. Uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I realised that's what my mind is like, and if I'm on the outskirts, if I'm right at the star, I can't. I can't just push the coin mm, into the centre. It's got to keep swirling. The, the, yeah. the globe's over it. I can't touch mm. it. I've just got to let it. And I know it will. It's only ever gone in one direction and it settles itself. But me trying to, like, influence it doesn't make any difference. So learning to just sit back has been, like, a big lesson for me. Brilliant. I like that. How about you, Feeney? I think you can't push it. You can't force it. Um, I'm quite an advocate of doing, like, practising being creative 
but not in a pressurized outcome way, just mm. a, okay, well, I'm going to journal for half an hour mm-hmm. or um, I'm just going to dick about on the piano, give myself, set, set a timer. And then even, even though, even though you're setting out to do something that you maybe don't feel particularly up for because there's no outcome and you're just practicing it, I find it quite helpful to think it's like practicing your diminished scale or something. Mm. You know, I'm just doing this because it's going to, just going to, toughen up the connections in the brain between the brains and the, the brains the, the the multiple brains and the Mind. fingers yes i've got more than one <laughs> um and that's it's almost like a kind of mindless practice but what you are doing is you are still kind of engaging in that kind of flow i suppose yeah yeah because um, if every time you sit down to write you know if we talk in a kind of writing context here mm. if every time you sit down to write you're writing your best piece then you're setting yourself well, you up can't. for failure right? yeah because yeah, you need yeah. to be writing continually in order to that's, be that's writing, another right? thing you know it's like yeah. yeah it's like or if you you know speaking about collaboration with friends recently and well like, if you walk into that session like i'm gonna write a number one you're yeah, gonna yeah. Write anything yeah. but because you <laughs> yeah. know just go and not say nothing may come of this yeah i'm here for the process i'm here to yeah. just you know exercise that yeah muscle. we we're creative we're self-appointed creative beings yeah. and that's the one thing that we do yeah you know and it doesn't mean you don't you don't put pressure on yourself that it's going to be a number one hit but yeah know that if you turn up and do it every day the amount of chaff versus quality has to exponentially it has to exactly. increase it's yeah. going to because yeah. you're doing yeah. it and you're practicing it and also you're doing it for yeah. your own need to in a way you yeah. know it's like you're you're fulfilling your creative soul by but doing it's like it. creativity as a muscle isn't it and you do yeah. have to like fle- you have to yeah. actually train it like totally. anything else um I, th- I think you do even though it doesn't feel like it and i do have students who go well i can't i simply can't see the way forward like that because there has to be a moment a spark a kind of moment of light that makes me go i'm going to create which i also identify with but that's not i don't that's not being a creative full time no because that's yeah that's, not... sit, that's sitting and waiting for the because we all yeah. have those sparks and they're great and yeah, that's but sitting but, around and but waiting you can't for rely on them you know you need yeah. to sometimes go okay well i don't have that today you, but you I also do have this toolkit of things right? yeah you have a toolkit and also you have you have autonomy over that yeah and actually by saying <laughs> it's like the elizabeth gilbert thing of um your your creative genius how like the genius used to be this and I may have remembered it wrong, but I think it's right. She says that the genius used to be this little goblin creature that lived in the walls, yeah. mm-hmm. and it would, um, it would come and give you something. And so when nothing came of your, you know, endeavors that day, it's because your genius didn't arrive. And then over time, the genius and the artist—not that I'm calling us geniuses—but you know, the genius and the artist converge, and suddenly it's all your responsibility yeah. to, to come up with the goods and then yeah. then when you don't then you failed yeah. because it's not about something else not, not like Father Christmas didn't come this year yeah yeah it's like it's all down to you um, and that's just that just sucks anyway because we've already chosen to compromise to live quite a compromised life mm. to do the thing that we love, love. Mm-hmm. like why are we making it First of all, we're going, well, I can only um, I can only express myself in this one particular yeah. vein. And now also everything I do has to be brilliant. And right. 99.9% of the time, that's not going to be. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, that so <laughs> right. ties in, as you were saying, with like, find, like expressing yourself through different mediums of creativity. Because then if, you know, 
you don't want to like if I wake up and I'm like oh singing's not a vibe today then maybe I'll dive into another creative endeavor yeah. that gives me as much fulfillment and that's mm-hmm. what we talk about when we're like I'm a creative or I'm an artist it's like you've different avenues to express whatever it is you're trying to express that mm-hmm. day and you're not relying on this one thing to mm-hmm. get everything out you know like it's yeah it's, it's for me it's so liberating to know that mm-hmm. and and to and especially living in a world where it's like we need to be doing all the time it's like okay well that's so much harder if you can only ever do one thing but if you can you know when you were creating those videos Mm. like first of all just amazing please talk us through how that came (laughs) about because i love it and um yeah i guess that must have felt like because that's like hard work right like Mm. and to know that you'd got all the music bit done Mm. and then to go headfirst into something else that demanded so much mm. a creative attention was that like just as fulfilling or fulfilling in a different way or like what would you think well actually it kind of resonates with what kim was saying about what if you take all this stuff away and you can't play today or you can't do this what's left of you mm-hmm. and that's the thing that i think's been so kind of kind of heartbreaking about you know lockdown and suddenly not having any of our usual mm. um outlets mm. is what's left if this is just me yeah you know if if all of this is taken away <laughs> who who the hell am i yeah. um and i think that's one i mean i'd thought about doing stop motion before but that it just came that at that point well suddenly i had nothing to do and i had an album coming out and i had all this music and it just felt like oh well, as if as if there was ever going to be an opportunity for me to explore what i've already i already wished i had time to do mm-hmm it seems like something's giving me this time. So, um, and then it's just a case of, you know, working out what the hell I'm trying to do. (laughs) You know, and it is really hard work, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's not coming out in the music, but I've already done that. So this is just like another side and it's going back to that Bowie thing of, you know, the costumes and the outrageous set design. And this is all coming out of his, his, this is all his, his own concoction. He's kind of brewed up and, Actually, isn't it amazing if we think that whatever we want to say, in this example, musically, whatever we're trying to say, if there's a way of curating that experience that might have, you know, just make it a bit more 3D. Yeah, absolutely. About an immersive experience, I think, yeah, so many musicians can go, well, I've written the music there, so now I need to rope in, like, people to produce music, people to mm. arrange it, people to record it, people to market it, people to make the videos, people to style us, people to... Yeah. It's like... And obviously, logistically, you can't be all those things if you want to work on, like, a huge scale mm. for simple reasons, but you can actually be an artistic influence on all those things. Mm. And I think often the people that I look up to are, and that's what I'm discovering more and more, it's like it's a whole concept yeah. it's a whole yeah, vision yeah. it's like yeah. you you can see that human in everything that they touch everything yes. that has mm. their name to it yep. there's a bit of them in mm. it and, and and collaborating with other people too in order to make it happen and make it fully realized but again if you took it all away they would mm. still be at the heart of all of it it's and like it's, grace jones when she's got slaves to the rhythm and she was like do you know what else would make this brilliant is if a hula if hoop a hula <laughs> the whole way the through whole fucking yes. thing. And, and then you, you're right, Grace. It does make it better. No, yeah. I cannot look at a hoop without thinking of Grace no, exactly. Jones enslaved to the rhythm. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not give that? And that it's a generous act, isn't it? Like deciding to. I mean, 
oh god I'm sounding like a dickhead but just putting all this stuff out there if it's not about if we know that it doesn't it doesn't 100% mean that we're going to win any awards at all mm-hmm. we have to be doing it's not altruistic but it's we're sharing in something and I guess we're hoping that someone else finds it useful yeah, right. yeah, Some, something yeah. connects with somebody yeah, yeah exactly and that's enough and if you're able to go well you can also look at it like this I mean we do it as as composers or songwriters anyway don't we you know yeah. we we imagine it on our instrument maybe first maybe not and then we're imagining what it'd be like on something else it's yeah. just like suddenly it's not you know a sort of textural landscape Ableton landscape yeah, but it's yeah. you know a 2D animation of some aliens you know? yeah well yeah but maybe it's like about creating things more and more 3d you know it's like we've we've got into that point where it's pretty normalized for like you to start off solo in the practice room and then bring it mm. to an ensemble mm. but now what we're trying to talk about is about going the next step absolutely so like where yeah. else can you take that thing yeah. that you started with initially yeah and put it into your life you know or, yeah. the, or the whole gig you know because a lot of people don't even think about you know you doing that initial gig in jazz and the round came that venue choice is so important yeah no absolutely for yeah gig, for example and, th- yeah in the context in which you know like you pro- probably wouldn't have done that gig at ronnie's right Do you no know exactly I mean? like, so i think these types of things we can be seeking or we can give ourselves a bit of a kick up the arse and go Let's think about these decisions more. It can Let's be stop your just decision. Yeah. In the yeah. same foods, footsteps. Totally. We feel we need to, yeah. and really think about creating that environment. Yeah. Doing the Keith Haring thing of like, I'm creating an environment mm. for you to come in, yeah. and it's an accessible one mm-hmm. where anyone can walk mm. in, and and also your definition of what this means to you is yours, and yeah. it's just as valid as anyone else's, and it's not about mine. It's not even about my intention. Yeah. I yeah. love that. It's not about. Like, yes, it's come. I know what my intentions were, but... But as soon as it leaves you... As soon as it leaves me, it's yours. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's accessible to anyone to interpret how they want. You know? Yeah, I think appropriate space is something that I wish was talked about, like, sooner in my artistic career. Like, mm. even, like, uh, you know, lighting or, you know... Mm. I It took me a long time to realise that um, quantity of gigs was detrimental if you were trying to create something really specific and like appropriate someone said to me um if someone came to see one gig that you did would you feel comfortable that it represented who you were and at that point I was doing lots of different things and I was like actually no like the chance of them coming to the right thing is actually quite slim Mm. well then I need to stop doing these things and I understand that comes from a place of privilege it's easier said than done but like what my final year at college because Leeds was like like a kind of postgraduate model of study really where they were like pick three things pick three people to study with and off you go and we'll see you at the end of the year and one of the things I did was like a performance art piece on the Outer Hebrides like um, Gaelic song from the Outer Hebrides mm. um, and I it took me a while to like find a space because you, you you were able to like just put on a gig and the examiners would come to the gig it didn't have to be in the college Um so finding a space that had like a projector big enough that had like lighting that I could change the color of, um, like I, I spent ages I made these little clay boats because they used to pass notes from one island to the next on little um boats. Mm. They were called the like Saint Kilda Post, and it would like eventually someone would catch it and like it there'd be a little coin for a postage, and it'd be like, can you get this to this person? And someone would just do it. So I made all these tiny little clay boats, and like it felt like that 
being give, giving myself the time to really think about all those aspects meant that even though that was like, I don't know, 12 years ago, I'm still really proud of that as a piece of work. Because I don't feel, I didn't come away thinking, oh, the lights were a bit weird. Because I'd never thought about them before. I, I was leaving that up to someone else or, right. oh, that space was a bit odd. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it there. It's like, you can actually do that for yourself, can't you? You can, if you just have the... And, and you don't life. need to be a virtuoso and you know you don't no. need to have studied lighting tech or whatever yeah. like you can work with someone that that's got the best but yeah if you have the the vision you know and the creativity that's right to, and you can ask questions i yeah. want it to be like this what does that how do can we get you help this? me yeah can you come on board and let's make this happen yeah, yeah. exactly that's a great example actually did the clay boats were they on water did you have a little water um yeah flooded thing? the venue <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was Destroyed hard finding a space. Because you're like, oh yeah, come in and flood your venue, please. I'm going to need water. Just going to come and burst a few pipes. Is that okay? Absolutely end. fine. Uh, no, there was no water, but they had a little note on them. Actually, they weren't waterproofed either. But I still have one of them. And I hope that the other people that came still have one as well. Um, and it was like, it was a lovely thing. But I, I don't know. I wish I could encourage like people who are studying to think about these things mm. it feels like there's a big people will see things like Bowie or like big big mass like Prince shows or like Michael Jackson shows mm. like I remember when I was a tiny little girl having a tape of Michael Jackson and at the end of the gig he went away on a jetpack <laughs> right love it so rad love it and like I don't think he's, he waited and thought, okay, when I get to this point, when I've sold this many albums, I'll go from just doing straight gigs where I'm just wearing a suit to then I'll be able to give myself the jetpack. Like, it's time for the jetpack now, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. He said, no, well, I think I would like a jetpack, please. And then it, like, it, it figured right. out, right? He's like, you don't, don't just wait. Think big. Think big. Exactly. Ask how not. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking yes. Um, while we have you here, because mm. we'll chat shit, Forever. On a weekly basis, forever. Mm-hmm. What's next? Creativity. Well, creativity. Creativity. <laughs> yeah, not just creatively, but creatively. Oh, please. God. Oh. Um, I'm actually making a video at the moment. Yep. Which is coming out on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's Monday. So nice. We're good. Um, which is all space themed because it's um, a reimagining of life on Mars. So it's mm-hmm. all like little creatures and stuff. The things I do. Um, and yeah, making a new, making, making music. I'm, um, mm. doing the, starting the same way I did with La Loba, except I'm then, sh- uh, farming it out to wonderful collaborators and then mm-hmm. they're putting their drums on or their bass and it's coming back. So sort of exploring this remote yeah. process because yeah, it kind of feels, feels good. And, you know, we've, we've played a little bit together, um, we did a the live stream at, yeah. uh, not live stream but the the gig at Guildhall so that's actually the first time I've played that music with a whole band like mm. ever mm. you know because it started as um you know me and then voice and cello and then it just sort of grew really slowly but um yeah this new music is going to be that's happening that I'm building is um I'm doing that way so that's it feels like, pretty exciting yeah it's really exciting I feel I feel like the remote process can add to the creative process as well because yeah. I can't remember if we spoke about this or not mm. but um, by not booking a studio for two days which yeah. means you need to get everything done perfectly mm-hmm. in that studio time because you've paid for it and it's mm-hmm. fucking 
so stressful like when you work remotely and collaboratively it's like that you can really take your time a bit more and mm-hmm. have more options yeah and, yeah yeah so exactly that's exciting. yeah so you go this is what i have can you put drums on it and then james madron for example goes well it could be like this could be like this and sends you a load of things could be oasis was that could be yeah and he was like i'm kind of feeling oasis and i was like then do it yeah and it, then yeah. the oasis is the it, that's the take yeah um and you know there's still the option um robin been james and robin have studios as well so i could still go around and we could still do some yeah, stuff yeah, together yeah remotely can mean like yeah. also in the same room it's yeah. just not that like We've got two days to make this groundbreaking yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually like, think it's more organic. Yeah, like, totally. Which sounds kind That's of what I'm saying, weird. Like, turn up to the session and not expect anything in a way. You know, yeah. like, we're gonna just see what happens, see what we yeah. create. That's exciting. And time passes between each track, so it's also like Br- a living, it sort of settles. Breathing yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. And I think we might come back to the first one and go, oh, well, given all of these other tunes that we've done, maybe that happens yeah, slightly yeah. differently, but. Yeah, that's that's the sort of slow, slow moving boat across a clay boat. Clay boat. In a flooded, in a flooded full, of, full, full of full of lettuce. lettuce. <laughs> yeah. Letters or lettuce? L- letters. Letters. Full of lettuce. I'll, I'll I'll take a boat full of lettuce. <laughs> well, as long as it's not got a snake in it. Oh. You hear about that? The lettuce what? with the someone some per, some customer and um. It was Aldi or Lidl. It was in Australia. God, I feel like there's they got just, home Aldi's and they're like, getting kicked "That's while a snake." <laughs> getting taken to the cleaners from M and S. Yeah, they've got snakes, snakes, about. snakes in the left. Well, they're oh. not running; they're sliding. They're but. sliding. They're slithering. <laughs> slithering. Yes, running snakes. Yeah, yeah, they've got bigger problems if they're running. Guys, I feel like we've we've gone to new. That, so that's, that's in Australia though, right? That's, that's in Australia. Yeah, so we, yeah. I don't think we need to worry just yet. But yeah. please, it, it was a poisonous snake. Aldi. It was a poisonous snake because they said, yeah, it's um, it's got um, chemical. Oh, I can't remember what the term is, but it was a term that could be misconstrued as like healing or um, oh, shit. it had some like qualities <laughs> that were good for you. I yeah, can't remember yeah. what the term is, but they were like, yeah. And then we found out that actually means that if you get bitten by it, you, you have die. like two hours. Oh my <laughs> God. That's like flammable and inflammable both mean inflammable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, Change I've, the word. I've actually realised <laughs> that the main point to take away here is just to not eat lettuce. Yeah, absolutely. Don't. I mean, Make it yourself. Very yeah, dangerous. Yeah, Don't get, get a Mackey's, take the lettuce out of the Mackey's. <laughs> That's it, yeah. tip that lettuce out. Make sure there's no snakes, then you can eat it. Or grow your own, I'm yeah. going to say that. That's apparently homegrown lettuce is the finest thing the you'll shit. ever eat. Yeah, my I mean, grandpa's I, I got a lot time, back home. Pretty impressive. I'm on a list. 15 years. List. Yeah, he was on it for bloody Jesus. 20 years or something. 15 years? I think if I put my name down now, then when I'm actually like, I, I want to say retired, but bearing in mind the conversation we've just had, I don't know if that happens. <laughs> um, but yeah. Maybe I'll have a bit I think you have to choose a bunch of places you'd like to live and then I and then you sign up the move. Then you yeah. sign up to allotments all nice. over the place and then you just hope that you land in one of those places yeah. in like fifteen years yeah. and you can get an allotment. I like that. That's idea. my plan. That's quite exciting. I've got I've got um yeah, so where I'm on waiting pick? lists all over South East London, I'm just hoping Hoping that I've picked them, <laughs> picked them right. No, like, shit, it's come up tomorrow. Right, pack your bags. <laughs> right. We're going to Bellingham. I've found a photo removal ban. We're going to pack them. So that's oh. the advice. So last time you had a lovely piece of advice, which is don't listen to men who sell butter and punch women in the face. <gasps> yeah. Ooh. And this time, sign up for lots of different allotments. Where you build your live? life around don't, the don't allotment. Bu- list. And don't buy lettuce. And don't buy lettuce. And don't live in Australia. Don't live in Australia because there's too many. It's 
Roasting, absolutely roasting as well. Yeah. I don't think you need to, we don't need to be messing with jumping spiders. No Koala bears. No, but they're fishes. Oh, they're knobheads, yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they've got fingerprints that are almost identical to humans, so sometimes in crime scenes, if a little koala bear's been shuffling around, they think it's a baddie, but it's actually a koala bear. It is a baddie, but you can't put it in. Ah, yeah, just not a baddie that you can cuff and incarcerate. You can't can't trial a a koala, can can you? What do you have to do yourself? Maybe that's part of the new police bill from Purdue Yeah, probably is. Let's revisit. Now you can... Put koala bears on trial. Yeah. Everything else is in there. Fucking hell. Well, shit, yeah, yeah. Patron. Oh, yeah, let's do Patreon. Um, Patreon! Will it be the first time I get all the details right? No. No. I'm okay. not going to put money on it. Okay, so um, we have a Patreon and we have two new subscribers which we have to shout out to this week um, mm. Leanne and Hannah, who Thank are you. my two. Thank you so much. I, I spent four days on this earth without Hannah. She was born four days after me. Whoa. And so um, she's an old friend. And then also Leanne, um, I went to play group with. Um, and <laughs> old, so they're, they're yeah. putting their money where their friends are. Yeah. And that's really lovely love and kind. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we have three levels on Patreon. Um, £3, £5 and £10. They're monthly. And that goes to things like paying the bills, paying Sam's extravagant, enormous fees. Lighting bill. Yeah, the feather boa doesn't pay for itself. Hello. Um, And you, Luca, have a dream to have a sausage dog called Aretha. And that's not going to come cheap. She will not come cheap. So we have a lot to get through. So um, there's lots of benefits that come with those levels. We have a little secret podcast called What's the tonic in your gin and the piss in your cornflakes and you can get that if you're five or ten pounds and then you get the episodes early and then there's a tier where we draw you a lovely thank you card and there's stickers it's just great lots so, of stuff lots so of much stuff. Uh, so that's on patreon uh how not podcast um you can follow us on instagram at the how not pod mm-hmm. um you can follow luca manning at luca manning underscore you can follow me at chicken the pig yeah. you can follow the studio at beastly studios you can follow Feeny. Fiends Beans. Fiends Beans. We'd love to see it. With Z, I think right? it's Fiends Beans. It, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fiends Beans, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's also lots of other people on Instagram if you want to follow them. Yeah, so but forget about them. Yeah. Just there are many, many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Hit us up. Let us know what's happening in your yeah, lives. And yeah. thank you so much, Feeny, for coming on board today. Yeah. It was very exciting to have a guest. Oh, so nice. Much fun. Just a great convo. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy we did this. Yeah, it's great. All right then. Bye. Bye. Bye.